1: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Hey, everybody. It's Dave here and Darren over there. We are your two old bloggers. Been talking publicly about the Minnesota Vikings for over two decades apiece. And we're here for an early Saturday version of the show we missed last week, where we'll be talking about Dalvin Cook. You're telling me there's a chance, a chance he might stay with the Vikings? Then we get into our second theme, which will be players with bullseyes on their back who might be expendable, who might be targeted even had an extra one come up this morning that didn't make the list. Interesting. That person, by the way, is Cam Bynum. Makes you go, Mm. hmm. And then finally, Darren wanted to take a deeper dive look into Jaron Hall, the backup quarterback we just signed, and what his prospect is for the team. Will he be the number three? Could he take over the number two job? Could he be the quarterback of the future? Who knows? We'll find out next on 2 Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here once again. Darren over there. As you know, Darren missed last week. And after 10 or 15 minutes, the solo Justin joined me and we had a great conversation. But Darren is back. Tell us why you missed last week.
2: I missed last week because we were having some major forest fires in the Northwest Territories. And part of my job is working communications. And I was on call because we had to put out some public communications and information to folks about some of those wildfires. And uh, yeah, I, uh, things came up and I just, I was on call and I couldn't tell them, ah, sorry, I'm doing two old bloggers today. I can't put out the, those emergency public communications because I'm doing, uh, I'm talking Vikings football. So that's what happened. <laughs> well, hey, I'm sure they would have understood. <laughs> How's it going? Much better. The uh, still really dry conditions up here and all, all, through Western Canada, actually. but The main fire, which caused an evacuation of about 4,000 people in in two small communities in the Northwest Territories. They're all small communities, but these ones are smaller than where I live, and, and they've been evacuated for like 11 days. And they were just one community just got allowed back. They ended the evacuation order on Thursday. And those folks are back in their homes, thankfully. But the fire is still going. It's just been it's held, as they call it in forest fire lingo. So that means it's not growing. It's not under control. It's it's not growing. So they felt it was the risk was less enough to allow this one community and their people to come back. Because they've been most of them have been living. Some of them have been in an evacuation center here in Yellowknife. Some of them were living in other places with friends that they knew, but it's yeah, yeah just a, quite a bit of an upheaval for those people. And if they could get back in their community, then you know, then they, 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 you know, they made the call to do so. But things are a little bit better, but it's still. It's going to be a whole summer like this, Dave, I think, where it's going to be dry conditions, not much rain. Fortunately, in where I live, in the Northwest Territories, it's a huge territory and not very many people living in it. So there's lots of fires that go on every summer, but they're not near anything. So it's not a big deal. In this case, we had one about five kilometers from a community of about 4,000. And that's a little bit more serious. Okay, gotcha. So what you're telling everybody is... To be flexible
0: on the weekends here on out until we get out of fire season.
2: Well, there may be times I'll be on call, yes, but I do have other people, staff. we will probably be a rotation thing, but we'll all work around it.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, let's get this show started. We'll flip over to the other screen. We named this one, Is There Still a Chance for Dalvin Cook to Stay with the Vikings? And there was more news on that this week. Starting with... There was. Theme one.
2: A chance. <laughs> it seems I don't know. I, uh, in some ways, I can't believe we're still talking about this, Dave. But uh, but here we are. Dalvin Cook is still part of the Minnesota Vikings, even though we thought he would be. Some of us, even me, thought this situation would have been resolved. Now, if you'd asked me in February, would it be would be getting into June and Dalvin Cook would still be on the team? I probably would have told you I don't think so. But but here he is. But even he's still on the team. But you know, if you looked at social media or listened to me a lot of times, you'd be like. You know, I I don't think there's a very good chance that Dalvin Cook's going to be on the team. The Vikings put out social media about their schedule a couple of weeks ago. They had Alexander Madison on as part of that, and you'd never see Alexander Madison promoting anything for the Vikings in past years (laughs) over over Dalvin Cook. You know, that people latched onto that, that they felt that that was, you know, that's, I felt that was a bit of a significant sign that the Vikings were maybe moving on, sending a little bit of signals. But but then Jeremy Fowler got on Sports Center, and two weeks ago, this is old news now, but but he got on two weeks ago and he Still reported running. that, yeah, he re- reported that hey, you know the Vikings are they they're open, they want to do right by Dalvin Cook, and that's something that I think has been a theme with Quaysee and Kevin O'Connell. You heard Adam Thielen talk about how they were a class, they treated him with class, even though they ended up releasing him. Fowler said the Vikings want to do the same thing by Dalvin Cook, they want him wherever he ends up in 2023 they want him to be happy and to be used a lot there whether that's but that's not necessarily going to be outside of minnesota according to fowler there's been a lot of communication with between cook and the vikings something that didn't happen with zadarius smith and the vikings and so the lines of communication have been open everything was on the table that could be traded could be released could be a restructured contract and he's back in minnesota and again, this week, I think what you're alluding to, if I'm getting right, Dave, you can correct me, is that, that there was, I think, Doogie Wolfson talked about how Cook is now open to coming back at less than the salary that he's under contract for, which would be be a very, that's, that's a lot different than what we heard a month ago, even a few weeks ago, where the, the scuttlebutt was that Cook was not going to take a pay cut from the Vikings to stay with the Vikings. Uh, he was going to play under the contract that he, he has, or he was going to be moving mm-hmm. on. And and so this is a big difference, and that might make a difference in how the Vikings view this. But I'd had some pretty good – I had a good conversation on our Gallahorn Facebook site with a with Gallahorn member, kind of back and forth on – on, on the Cook situation. And he made some good points about, you know, why, you know, if the Vikings were going to move on from Cook, why are they keeping him here this long? Talked about, you know, the the Madison thing, like, do the Vikings really feel that Madison is, you, you know, the de facto number one guy? Is that something that they're, that they really believe in? And he made a number of good points. I thought I made some too, but when you're looking, I think, Still, as I look at the whole situation, it seems a bit I, th- I think, you know, it just doesn't feel like the the things are lined up for Dalvin Cook to be back with the Vikings. One reason that the Vikings would keep Dalvin Cook this long, even though they've now got 9.5, 9.6 in cap space, which is a hell of a lot more than they had a few weeks ago. A lot of that is thanks to the Cedarius Smith trade, but but they've got more cap space, so they don't need to get rid of Cook. But but by keeping by if, if you'd, by keeping Cook now, and it looks like it's going to happen past June the 1st, one of the things that really, if the Vikings traded Cook post-June 1st, as opposed to releasing him post-June 1st, that adds about, that lessens the cap, the dead cap that they're going to get hit by about $2 million, and it would up the amount of cap space they get by $2 million. And, I, you know, for the Vikings who are looking at, they're going to have to do something with Daniel Hunter. Looks like they might have to do something, maybe even with Justin Jefferson, here <laughs> if he keeps on missing OTAs. And so, and to get take care of those guys, take care of Hunter, have an, still have enough to comfortably get through the season with that old rainy day fund you're always talking about, Dave. Then yep, at least and fine, like an extra, at least yeah, a, an extra two million above above what you'd get if you just release Cook is important to Quasi Adolfa mm-hmm. Mensa. So uh, you know if they trade him. That's potentially more cap savings for them. Now, the other part of that is is that if you do trade him, it's likely that the Vikings are going to have to pay some of that salary to the team that they traded him to, just like what happened with Z'Darrius Smith. So that might cut into your cap savings a little bit. But still, if you can do that and get a day three draft picked as a result, as opposed to just releasing <coughs> Dalvin Cook, and not getting anything. I think Kwesi Dofimenza would prefer that, just like he did with Zadarius Smith. So I think trading, they're still trying to trade him. Uh, there was rumor, and, came up
0: yesterday or the day before, that the Cowboys may be interested because they want a two-headed monster, and of course they lost Ezekiel. And they you you know, may you, take you his whole salary, but give a fourth next year and a fifth the following year. And you're not going to get a higher picks because you're taking that much salary. Yes. that's the cost of taking that much salary. Yeah. But if that offer and
2: that rumor is true, I take yeah. it in the heartbeat. But that's right, Dave. You're running up there. So I think that, you know that the waiting to June first. That's the possibly trade him and get something for him it can, beyond just the cap relief. I think that's why they've kept him this long. Maybe it doesn't pan out. But maybe it does, and the, you know the other thing is that beyond the trading, and the, another reason why I don't think you know Cook was never going to stay here is because I just don't understand the Alexander Madison uh, signing. Like I know that Madison, yes, maybe the market was soft with him, but he signed pretty much right away in free agency with the Vikings. You can't tell me he could have waited a week and found you know some other place to to, to land. And I just don't understand why a guy who, like Madison, would re-sign with the Vikings if he was told that, that, yeah, oh, by the way, Alexander, we're going to bring back Dalvin Cook, too. (laughs) It's been reported many times.
0: It has been inferred to Madison that he's going to get a lot more touches this season and that he's basically going to be
2: running back one. If you're Madison, you're 25, you're in your prime – and last year you've been behind. Why would you resign with the team that's going to bring back the guy you've been sitting behind for four years? Mm-hmm. And last year you had the le- they, you had the least amount of carries you've had in your four years. <laughs> it right. just wouldn't make. It,
1: if I'm if, if I'm Madison, I'm just
2: like no. If I'm Madison, I'm just like I'm going to go somewhere else where I have a chance to actually play more. Even if it means taking a little bit less money, because I could maybe earn that back in incentives, in production bonuses, or something, as opposed to a guaranteed salary. But I'm not going back to the Vikings to get 50 carries a year, sitting behind Dalvin Cook. I'm just not doing that. Mm-hmm. But he signed, which tells me that there's just again, the the plan was never to have Dalvin Cook coming back. So you know, hey, is there a chance? Like the Dumb and Dumber guys, you know, <laughs> Cook is still on the team, so I guess there's a chance. But it just. To me, the, it just doesn't make any sense. They're just, I just, I don't feel that Dalvin Cook is the place. Is Minnesota is the place where Dalvin Cook is going to be? Now trading him, like a what would be the location? Like there's been talk about how, all the talk was about Miami. Miami, he's going to go back to Florida. He's going to go back to Miami, but Miami doesn't need him anymore. They they got Jeff Wilson. They got Jeff Wilson back. He's back. They re-signed Mostert, and then they uh, they dragged the the kid from Texas A and M so they don't need him. But a place that might be might be a landing spot for him would be b- the Buffalo Bills. And I'm not saying that because of the guy you've got up there in the in the photo, his brother James Cook. You know that whole feel good story about the Cook brothers play together and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That's got. I don't think that would have, would have very little to do with Cook getting traded to Buffalo. I think what would makes Buffalo a good landing spot for Cook, as you look at the Buffalo Bills depth chart at running back. You got James Cook, who played well as a rookie last year, but didn't get a ton of work. And then behind him, you've got Damian Harris, the ex-Patriots guy. You've got Naheem Naheem Hines, who's basically a gadget player and not a full-time running back, not somebody who's going to get even 100 carries a year, and the other guy that they got is 93 year old Latavius Murray. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, like the ale train. Loved Latavius okay. when he was here, but but he's he's not 93; he's 33. But still, when you look at that depth chart for the Buffalo Bills, a Super Bowl contending team, you know, adding Dalvin Cook, especially a guy who ran an 80 yard touchdown against them to to the house last year, getting Cook. Who's coming off successful shoulder surgery? That, and you don't have to give up a whole lot to get him. I think that'd be quite appealing for Buffalo. I've, there's been no rumors that I've heard about this, but it just seems like looking at their depth chart. Well, looking that's
0: at- one of the names that's always been mentioned. North Norsefias mentioned Steelers. Being friends with a lot of Steelers guys on Fans First Sports Network or blogging or podcasting network, they're talking about it. So it's going sure. to be interesting. Now, a couple weeks ago, prior to this week, Okies.com had the odds on where Dalvin was going and they had the best odds staying in Minnesota. Now, like I said, this is a week old. So take it with a grain of salt, but they had the best odds for Minnesota. Then comes in second New England, followed by the Rams, the Texans, the Cardinals. Plus a thousand to the Bears. And I've heard that two rumblings. The Bills, there's your bills at twelve hundred, and then the field. The Steelers would obviously come in the field portion of that, but we shall see. It would be an interesting it's gonna be interesting if the trade gets done. And then how much does the Vikings pay and how much does the new team pay? Yeah. So we've already paid him guaranteed, was it two or three million? Because he did have a shoulder, sh- shoulder surgery, and that's going to, that bonus got guaranteed. Now, I'd like to take a minute to recognize everybody that's here. Already brought up Norsvius, absolutely. Jason, Aaron from here in Austin. It's a sort of cloudy, hazy day here in Austin, but the temperatures aren't too bad. Ron is here joining us. The great and wonderful, beautiful Miss Mary Fisk. Raymond joined us as well. Chuck, good to see you. Good to see you. Jason, let's see. Justin is there. Justin has a little secret announcement here at the end of the show for him. And then let's see. Who else popped up that I have missed? Clinton, good. Of course, the one and only Bob Swede. And let's see. Who else? Did I miss you, buddy? Got Raymond already. But that is it. And if I miss you, I'm sorry, Travis. I see you there. Thank you all for coming and watching Two Old Bloggers. That brings us to theme two.
1: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Players with bullseyes.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I I, I thought I I got this idea because as we get into the off season, Dave, you're like we're all dreaming about the Vikings 2023 season and looking at the roster construction and and looking at it and saying, you know, well, if this guy has a big year. You know, or this guy and this guy comes back and he, he, he you know comes back from injury and he's healthy this year. Or if this guy comes back from a subpar year and he and you know has his best season ever. Or if this guy you know this rookie really takes a step up in his play in year two. You know the Vikings are going to go seventeen and zero. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I think there are certain guys that just I feel that uh, you know if they're going to have to play well for the Vikings to to be the team that we want them to be. If they don't play well. You know, then the outcome in 2023 might not be as good as, as we would like. And a couple of people that I wanted to – a couple of players that I thought of that I've got bullseyes on this year that I'm really going to watch and that I think really have to perform well and step up their play are Marcus Davenport, the free agent signing, the edge rusher that we got from, mm-hmm. from New Orleans, and, and Ed Ingram. And uh, we'll get to Davenport first it was a signing that when it happened, I I liked the signing. I liked it then. I still do. I like the cost that we got him from. I like the fact that, you know, he'd had a bit of a down year last year production wise, but we, we only committed to one year. So this is a look and see, you know, contract with Davenport. And I like that kind of low risk, low cost approach that we took to Davenport. Now, the other reason I liked it is that was you know that they they need i think they needed another edge rusher once we traded Zedaria Smith though that leaves some question marks to the Vikings pass rush because even with Zedaria Smith last year the Vikings pass rush was not very good you know i get throwing out this ESPN's had some metrics and they had the Vikings ranked 27th in their pass rush win metric they had them 30th in pressure rate and then 23rd in sacks per dropback so that's not very good. And now if you'd head that's all three, that's for sure. No. And if, and if, and, and if we, we all watched the games last year, Dave, how many times did we say, man, they're not getting any pressure with the four guys that they're, <laughs> with the four guys that they're sending. Right. So with, with Zedaria Smith gone, that really you can basically pencil in Davenport as the guy who's going to be the other edge rusher opposite Daniil Hunter. Well, <laughs> We all know that Davenport only had half a sack last year, but he had—he's always been consistently been very good with a pressure rate, even when he doesn't get to the quarterback, and that's still valuable. If you look at again, ESPN had him down as he ten point two percent pressure rate is in the past two years is sixteenth among a, among one hundred and twenty three players with at least five hundred snaps. So that's pretty good. If you can get that kind of player, if if Davenport. Davenport can play that way for the Vikings opposite of Daniil Hunter, then I think that the the Vikings pass rush should be pretty effective, especially working with Brian Flores and Flores not just depending on the four, rushing four, but rushing five sometimes maybe, and rushing five from different spots and the different looks that he's going to give offensive lines, which, causing confusion. Which safety comes up, which linebackers he's got shooting gaps. I,
0: it's, it's, yeah. it's going to cause a nightmare. And a pressure generator helps that. Now, as on one of the shows I was on, they were talking about pressures and how I pointed out the pressures, even though they may not translate into sacks, because sacks is sort of a fluky stat, generally a good edge rusher will have high pressure rate his whole time. And then the sack mm-hmm. totals you may see go up, and then you may see it go down, up and down, up and down. A lot of times the guys that are pressuring it Davenport may pressure, and we may see Deniel Hunter's sack rates go up because he's yes. pushing the pocket that way, right? Or one of the interior guys gets it because he's pushing. But no matter what it is, it puts the QB under pressure, and we all know quarterbacks do not thrive under pressure. Their passing rates, completions rate, go down, some way down. And so I think that's going to be a good thing. Throw that in with all the mix and magic that Flores is going to do. We may have a very, very good defense this year. Better than we thought. Put it that way. Better than we thought. Most people think, ah, we'll get to 20. It may be north
2: of that, folks. Even 20 would be pretty sweet when you were 31st last year. But Davenport is one of those guys. Like He he has had consistently in his five years in the league, he's had – consistently pretty good solid pressure rates sometimes very good even when the sacks haven't been there so like you said David the sacks don't tell the whole story but he's had trouble staying healthy if he can stay healthy and play like he's been capable of like he did in 2021 with the Saints when he got I'm going to use the sack number again when he got nine and a half sacks but if he can play that way, he's going to be a big, big asset to the Vikings' defense, and he's going to be well worth the $13 million that we're paying for him. Now, the other side of this is, is that, why, and why I have the bullseye on him, is that if he doesn't play <laughs> that, that well, if he doesn't have the impact that we're hoping for, if he doesn't even take that step up that, you know, that Quasi Adolfa it was gambling on when he made this signing, because, you know, Davenport's had a certain amount of production so far, but he was a very, 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 very high draft pick and has never really played up to that draft status, but the talent is there. You see it when you watch Mm -hmm. that important, you watch his tape. And if, you know, Kwesi Dovo has made that gamble on him and that he could even play better than he did in 2021. Well, but if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't provide the kind of pass rate pressure that, that we're hoping for, that's going to be a big problem for the Vikings defense, because of course, then really, they're only going to have to account for Daniil Hunter, I think, as an edge rusher most of the time, and unless somebody like DJ Wanham or Patrick Jones III has a breakout year, and that's not really something I'm banking on, so Davis, Marcus Davenport, to me, is a real key, key player for this Vikings defense, and a guy that, again, I've got the bullseye on, I'm going to be watching, and he's going to be a guy that that. The Vikings' defense of success it hinges on all 11 guys playing, but some guys I think are going to have a bigger impact than others, and Marcus Davenport is going to be one of those guys I think that he's mm-hmm. going to, if he's playing really well, it's going to be that impact is going to be very, very big for us.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. He's got to stay healthy. Like Davey says, well, we have the best training room in the business right now. It's graded by the players. Hopefully that helps. You know, we had that concern with Daniel Hunter, and he stayed healthy last year. So we shall see. And even Zadarius played, was healthy enough to play. Now, he whined that it was, well, his knee was still hurt. And, but he had yeah. to play because of the way his contract was certain. Well, But he was good enough to get out there on the field. So that's a credit
2: to the training room. It, it is, and they, you've seen it before, they were not, they would not play a player that they didn't think, I don't believe that they didn't think was capable of, as they like to say, protecting himself out there and playing at, at an ability where he wasn't hurting himself and the team. Right,
0: yeah, injuring himself further,
2: yep. Well, that
0: brings us to the second guy you have, a target on his back, second-year player, second-round draft choice, the big stud at right guard,
2: Mr. Ed Ingram. Not a stud yet, Dave. Hopefully he'll be one. But uh, but yeah, we. Don't tell Ed Ingram is a, <laughs> Yeah, but Ingram is a guy that I've got the bullseye on this year because we know he struggled last year as a rookie, starting at right guard, gave up a lot of pressures, gave up a lot of sacks. However, that is not. It's not unusual for for a rookie to struggle in in, in the NFL. Dave, you always talk about the three or four year mm-hmm. rule with yeah, offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Give them at least three or four. It takes them that long to really get it, to, you know, come into their own as offensive linemen. And we've seen that with some of the Vikings' offensive linemen recently. But, but you know, Ingram is not in year three yet. That's He's going in year into year two. two.
0: Yep. But, so uh, we're
2: anticipating a much larger step up
0: than what we saw last year. Just well, because uh, of time guess, and
2: working together, I would think. Well, I guess I'm. Um, I don't know if I'm expecting it, or if or if it's more hoping for it. But I feel that if he, you know, Ed Ingram does take that step up, if he does play to the capabilities and show why the Vikings selected him high in the second round last year and drafted him that high, which was a little bit maybe higher than. Some people expected who you know were looking for the draft. I think he was looked at maybe going in the third round, maybe even the fourth round. By you know, if you you looked at some draft experts, but if he can play to the level that he was drafted at, I think that's going to be huge for the Vikings because I think the Vikings offensive line could be pretty good this year. Christian Dariusaw is a stud at left tackle. Brian O'Neill, if he returns healthy from that partially torn Achilles, we know he's a very good right tackle. A solid as they come, very high-performing guy. Garrett Bradbury is coming off of his best year as a pro last year. Um, turned into a really solid setter. And Ezra Cleveland, same thing. He was, he probably hit at his best year as a pro in his third season. So I think there's a real good base there amongst the four out of the five. Ed Ingram is the guy who really could make this unit you know, something very good, something we haven't seen for with a Vikings offensive line in a long, long time. You know, if he can if he can he he can step it up, if he can really move up and up, you know, up his level of play like you're talking about, Dave, that's gonna help the offensive line immensely. Kirk Cousins is going to not feel as not get that pressure on the right side up the middle that he doesn't like to get. And we could have the best offensive line we've had here since two thousand nine, really. That, that year we went to the NFC championships game with, you, know, you had McKinney and Lode Hoda on the tackles. You had, and then you had at guard, you had Herrera and, and Hutch at guard. And okay. at center, you had, you had John Sullivan. Sullivan, right? Sullivan. Uh, yeah. That could be the offense. And, you know, for us to have that kind of an offensive line, it's been, well, it's been that long since we've had something that solid. I think that Ed Ingram, if he can play to the level that he's capable of, that could be the offensive line that the Vikings are looking at, which is going to be huge for the, for the Vikings' offense. The, the running game is going to be more effective. Kirk Cousins will have more time to pass the ball, and you're not going to see as many three-and-outs as you saw last year as, you, as you've seen the last two years. If, but if Edgar Ingram does not play that way, if he still struggles as, you know, close to what he did as a rookie, then I think Kirk Cousins is still going to remain one of the most hit quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, part of that's on himself. Now,
0: but yes, I do, I expect it to increase. They were a good run blocking team last year. They're going to be, should be better this year. Just the whole second year thing. And as, who was it? And I've said it before. Jason talked about how Brian O'Neill says he and Ed are starting to think alike during film study. And Ed's answering stuff, you know. They're finishing each other's sentences. You know, there's that growing love affair between right guard and right tap. That's a wonderful thing. Let it happen. So be it said, so let it be. You know, sort of thing. Let's... I don't think he's going to... I don't think he's going to get any worse. I think he's going to take a significant step up. That's my assessment. I know some people don't agree, but I see this kid... Having great potential to be a very good guard for the Minnesota Vikings,
2: and if nothing else, Dave, like he saw a lot of crap last year as a rookie, getting thrown in like he did, and I think that you know just that experience, whether it's good or bad, is going to be helpful for him as a pro in his second year, and and yeah, going through all those struggles. I think that should help you if it doesn't destroy your confidence. And there's been no indication that I've seen that Andy Ingram is, is down on himself. I right. think that's, a, that's a better test for you than sitting on the sidelines, standing on the sidelines for a whole year and, and getting mental reps, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not worried about, it. like I mentioned
0: before, a name that popped up. I saw, I think this morning, Cameron Bynum, may be one of those that has a uh, bullseye on his back. If he does not perform, in whatever capacity, this preseason. Yeah, he was a starter last year. He beat out Seam to start. The fact that they may let him go would sort of blow my mind, but that safety room is awful full. That's why I'd like to see him come down and play more nickel and be a more versatile, versatile DB, you know, not just safety,
2: not just corner, but play both. But we'll see as possible. Hey, times. make make guys earn it you know like you you had the 31st defensive defensive unit last year there can't shouldn't be too many people who are safe on that unit correct you are 100 percent correct i know you can't replace everybody but
0: yeah Aaron says jaron hall to put pressure on cousins hey run like me see how you can escape the pocket speaking of jaron hall
1: let's go on to theme three
0: Thanks for the transition,
2: Aaron. The drafty spotlight, Jaron Hall. Getting back to this, Dave, because the, the last show we had, I postponed it because we had the Z'Darrius Smith trade, and we wanted to talk about that. So I'm looking at, I'm going to be giving, a, like a fan, my, me, a fan's perspective on each of the Vikings six draftees. We did Dwayne McBride a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, and, and now finally getting to Jaron Hall. It was 164th pick in the fifth round for the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, but anytime your favorite team drafts a quarterback, usually it doesn't matter what round it is. There's some level of interest in that selection because it was a quarterback, <laughs> especially yes. when you've got the quarter quarterback history that the Vikings have had since they since Fran Tarkenton retired, which isn't very good. We've been looking for a replacement for Fran pretty much ever since, and so so yeah, like we got. We got Hall. People might remember during the draft that there was a bit of a run on quarterbacks in that round. Clayton Toon got picked pretty early like to the third mm-hmm. pick in. I think third or fourth pick in in the fifth round. And then not too far after him, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who the Vikings head in for one of their top 30 visits at Egan, he got selected. And then several picks after that, that, that team from Wisconsin selected that Clifford kid from Penn state who apparently isn't, isn't very good. So uh, yeah. Well done. The scouting well report
0: done. has a hard time throwing a football
2: and he's <laughs> quarterback. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. And then a few picks after that, the Vikings selected Jaron Hall again, of great interest to Vikings fans because he is a quarterback. And so I wanted to, you know, look into it a little bit again, dive into it a bit from a fan's perspective. If you want more X and O's on this, I would suggest that uh, folks watching the show, check the first in skull on, on YouTube and take a look at Tyler, our Tyler Fornass did a deep, deep dive on Jaron Hall a couple of weeks ago. I think Dave, it might've been, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the exact date,
0: well, I but think it's he's on there. Done a
2: few of them ever yeah. since
0: we drafted him. And even so he, before he did like-
2: when he was a candidate. Yes. He liked him. So if you want Tyler's perspective on Jaron Hall, which is be more detailed than anything I'll give you, take a look at that show that he did a few weeks ago. Well worth your time. But however, we'll get into my uneducated view on Jaron Hall. And I guess some of the pros with the positives with, with Jaron Hall, at least from my perspective, after I watched a few games, like like every snap, two or three or four games that I could find on YouTube was, you know, you know the first thing is that you're getting a guy with a lot of experience unlike Anthony Richardson who basically started one year with Florida you know he gets picked in the top five Jaron Hall a guy who's got 718 career throws under his belt 670 of those came in the last two seasons remember he was stuck behind Zach Wilson in 2020 2019 and 2020 so he didn't really get to play Correct. but after that he was Brigham Young's main starter 718 career throws so and a lot of throws the past two years A lot of starting experience. Impressive production during those two years. Overall, in his career, he had 52 touchdowns and only 11 interceptions. Completed 65% of his passes. That's all good. And then last year in 2022, threw for 3,100 yards. I think he had 31 or 32 touchdowns and only six interceptions. So, and completed 66% of his passes. So, really impressive production there. I think, you know, one thing that was it's mentioned is that he's an athletic quarterback. He he's a good runner. Well, what I've noticed about him is that what I like about Jaron Hall and his running ability is that, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson or anything like that. He's not going to like spin and beat guys. And, and, and also he's not like Lamar Jackson in that he doesn't run to run. Like, when when Hall runs, it's with a purpose. He he runs to extend plays. He's he's always got his eyes looking down the field. But he's been, most of the time they did have design runs for him. But some of his runs are basically okay. There's there's nothing more I can do passing wise. I've exhausted all my options. Nobody's open. I've just got to make a play. So he's not a guy who's just going to run when the first read is is not there and take off because that's just what he's always done. He runs when it's kind of a last resort thing, unless it's a design run. I like that about Jaron Hall, the fact that he's he's not just going to bail out of the pocket and, and take yeah. off.
0: When the first read's covered, oh no, yeah. panic,
2: I got to run sort of deal. No, yeah. he's not that type. Another thing that I liked about him, like with as far as his throwing, was that he seemed to have, there's numerous instances of this in the games I watched, is that he's got a real, real good touch and feel for the back shoulder throw, which is a very, very important and a tough throw to make at the NFL level. But he, he, he seems to have a knack, like I said, a real good uh, feel for that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's an important thing for any NFL quarterback these days because so many throws are made to like where the, the DB cannot see, has no idea where the football is. Only the receiver and the quarterback knows where it is. And Jaron Hall can make that throw, and he made it well at the college level, which I think bodes well at the NFL level for him. He doesn't have the strongest arm and that's been noted. Like he doesn't have a cannon, but it's, 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 it's strong enough to get the job done from what I've seen. He's been able to make all the throws at all levels, deep, short, intermediate, whatever. So, you know, I, I I think that's his arm strength doesn't concern me. The thing that's been talked about as a, as a negative for him has been his age. He turned 25 in March. So that's a bit old. I kind of look at it the other way, Dave, I don't know about you. Is that, to me you're you're not you're getting an experience you're getting a man right now you're not getting a boy <laughs> you're getting a man he's mature he's intelligent he knows that he's only got so much time to make this happen so he's going to work his ass off he's going to mm-hmm. work his ass off while he's he's mature enough and he's going to work his ass off he's going to understand what it takes to be a professional football player to be a professional NFL quarterback and he's going to put in the work he's not going to be worried about you know going to the strip club or Mm -hmm. or all that other stuff he's going to be he's a mature adult he's a man so i actually think that the his age considering the situation he's in where he's he's not he's not like he's going to be mature enough to realize i've got to take my dues i've got to earn playing time i've got to earn a backup job i've got to earn a starting job it's not going to be handed to me and so i like that about him i also like the fact that you know, Brigham Young doesn't always play the strongest schedule, but he played a number of, you know, schools, power schools, traditional power schools in his two years. And and for the most part, he played pretty well against them. They played Baylor twice. He played pretty well against them. Oregon, USC, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Utah, even Virginia in the ACC. Like, he like like Dwayne DeGroff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: No, unlike Dwayne McBride, who we profiled a couple of weeks ago, who hardly played any good schools at University of Alabama-Birmingham and had humongous stats, Hall has actually performed pretty well against tougher opposition. Again, that's, that's not always everything, but I think that that's important, the level of competition that he's played and how he's played against that level of competition. So I think those are all strengths for him. Some of the cons would be he's got no experience under center at all. And so that is something that I I don't know what it is why that's such a big deal for quarterbacks maybe it's just the different look like if you're if you're in shotgun or pistol all the time Dave I, you, mm-hmm. you, you know the play is always in front of you right whereas if you're under center you've got your back to the play and then then you turn around and then mm-hmm. the guys are on you maybe that's a big difference but but he's going to have to adjust to that at the pro level and that's something that quarterbacks who've been in spread offenses who've always been in shotgun some of a lot of them do struggle with that at the pro level so we'll see how he adjusts to that I think the strange thing about him I think is that this is just what I, I found is that he misses badly on some pretty simple throws more often than I would like especially when he's on the run or when he's pressured And we know that I think that's a bit of a red flag for me because you got to make the simple throws, (laughs) right? Aaron's reading our script. He's got to be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be able to make the simple throws. Like when that when that play is there, when the Uh the gimmies, you got to be able to make it. And also in the NFL, and particularly in recent years with the Vikings, how often is it a clean pocket for the quarterback? Not, uh-huh. not as much as it's going to be in BYU. You've got to be able to make throws under pressure. And when, you, when you're pressured and Hall has sometimes in the games I've watched has sometimes struggled with that. I, don't, I think some people might disagree with me, but when I looked at the games, I guess one other concern I had, and it's kind of hard to describe, is that I just didn't see many like wow plays, if you know what I mean, like where Hall made a play and I thought, man, I haven't seen anybody make that throw or make that run like he made the plays but Mm -hmm. again the wild plays weren't weren't there for me I don't don't know you kind of like to I like to see that from a college you want to see that freakish nature from a college player because that's going to translate at the pro level I, I didn't really see enough of that from from Hall but maybe I just wasn't watching the right games but so those are some of the pros and cons with him I think the good thing with Hall is that He's athletic enough, and he's been talent productive enough that I think the fifth round was a good time for the Vikings to to take a shot. If when I looked at the fifth round, and they also selected J. K. Roy in the fifth round too, but like if I look through the fifth round, there's nobody I'm seeing there that I would have preferred over Hall, really. So right. hey, they took they took a shot at a quarterback. He's athletic. He may work out. He may not. But and a, unfortunately, like. I forgot to mention this earlier, but Football Outsiders did a study uh, in 2017 of um, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks selected in every round from since 1996, I think, up until 2017, and the fifth round quarterbacks were particularly grim. <laughs> I think the best of them was AJ. let me Feeley, blow
0: that up was, so people can see yeah. if I can.
2: AJ yeah. Feely was probably about the best oh. of the of that whole crew. So uh, there's not a lot of great history recently. And even not so recently, with with quarterbacks picked in the in the fifth round,
0: and See, and that would a
2: huge drop off. And what's not...
0: expected now? People go, but look at the sixth. What yeah. what threw off the sixth round numbers so much? Do you know? Well, well, it'd be Tom Brady for one. Tom Brady, and Tom Brady wasn't the only one. Yeah. Bulger was on there. There's just quite a few good quarterbacks in the sixth.
2: Now, but is—is—is Jaron Hall gonna like reverse that trend? I—I I don't know. I think the he good may thing be the is first. that, yeah, I mean, he may be the first. They said there's what three fifth rounders that have
0: made it to the playoffs. Only one of them's won. Let him be the first mm-hmm.
2: next year, uh, not this year. Next yeah, year. I, for 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 Hall though, like I think the the good thing here is that Kevin O'Connell's going to get Hall in the lab. For mm-hmm. a year, right? There's no no pressure. Hall is if, if things go the way we want them to, Hall is not going to play this year. He might not even dress. Although the 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 three quarterback rule now probably does. He's mean good, he did. but but he's he's not going to play unless it's some huge mop up situation in a game that doesn't matter. But but Kevin O'Connell is going to get him in a lab. He's going to get to see him for like almost 12 months. He's going to get to work with him. We're going to get to see how good of a quarterback development, like how good. Kevin O'Connell is at developing young quarterbacks, so they're going to get to see him. They're going to get to get a real good look, and they'll should have a, I think, a pretty good idea after a year. Like, is this guy worth investing more time in, or do we need to draft somebody? You know, go back in twenty twenty four and draft somebody re- either really, really high, or maybe a little bit earlier than the fifth round again. And even if Hall, and even if Hall does look like he has some promise, the fact that he was picked in the fifth round, that doesn't procured the Vikings from drafting a quarterback high in the first round as well. So to me, like Hall is is a guy that I don't expect him to take beat Nick Mullins out of the backup job. Even this year, this is going to be strictly a development year for him. He's going to learn. He's going to sit. He's going to watch. He's going to soak things up. He'll be okay with that. And we'll get to see him a lot in preseason. And I think that we'll know in preseason, whether this guy is like Nate Stanley and has no chance, or whether he is somebody who might actually turn into something. And he kind of reminds me a bit of, of actually Taylor Heineke, the former Viking. He's probably got a bit better arm than Heineke, but he, Heineke is a guy like scrappy, you know, mobile, good at making plays off script, and and he's been, been an excellent backup in the NFL, and he actually hasn't been too bad a starter at times either. I think mm-hmm. that, you know. And, you know, his, and I, his teammates love him. Yes. And the chemistry with that is a massive bonus. So to me, I think that Hall, realistically, if I'm looking at it, if I'm looking at the history of fifth rounders who've been picked, if I'm looking at the scouting reports on Hall, if I'm looking at what I've seen in games, I kind of feel like Hall, I don't see him as being like the future starting quarterback, happy to be proven wrong, but I think that he could be a very good backup for the Vikings maybe eventually or with some other team in two or three years but you know that's that's how I see him. But still, who knows, right? Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. He could be he could be Mark Bulger. He could be Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Yep. We hope yeah. we hope he's you Tom have, Brady. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Or you know, San Francisco kid. It's Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Yep. You never know. And you talked about KOC. Is our, he's in his lab? He's already starting to work. He's already trying to teach him, working on footsteps and working on them. I can't do it anymore. My shoulder's are shot. But an overhand, more overhand throw, because he does throw sidearm and a bunch of other stuff. It It's going to be an interesting experiment. I can't wait to see him, you know, even through training camp, the on-field reps that we're going to get to be able to see. But especially in those preseason games, how he reacts, how well does he play, is he hitting where the receivers are supposed to be? Because he may be throwing the receivers five, six, seven, you know, further down, eight, nine, and they may not be where they're supposed to be. But how is he playing in orchestrating the offense? And that's going to be interesting. <laughs>
2: Yeah and and if he's money and if he's hitting guys and he's moving the offense considering the players he's going to be playing with in preseason which won't be the starters and likely won't even be the backups in some cases uh, I think that that's going to tell a lot too about his potential if you look at look at Brock Purdy last year with the 49ers we didn't think anything of it at the time but if you remember when they they played the Vikings in the the preseason game like Purdy played like outstanding and I, he played outstanding the whole preseason. Again, not with the top guys. But, and, but when he got a chance with the top guys, well, he hey, <laughs> he didn't miss games. a beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well,
0: that is your preview on Jaron Hall. I agree. Um, I, I look forward to seeing him play. I think this is going to be fun to watch him and watch Kevin O'Connell develop him. I, that's, that's, that's why we hired Kevin O'Connell as our head coach find that next quarterback, develop him, and hopefully we'll find that, you know, the guy, the homegrown replacement that we haven't had since Fran Tarkenton.
2: Dave, if for Hall, like in in your perfect world, like roughly percentage-wise, how many snaps would you like to see him get in the preseason games as opposed to Mullins? We know Cousins probably isn't going to play at all.
0: Right, and then you got Mullins. Who doesn't really need a lot of work. Who doesn't need a lot of work. 75%, Seventy-five percent, you know, mm-hmm. ish. If, if you're going I'm to take you. between those two. I think we did sign There's camp arm, I think you might yeah. see that guy. But the majority of them, and I want to see the majority of him working that. Yes, I agree, 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings the end to the focus on this draftee. Uh-huh. Who's your next
2: one? Next one is going to be Jake Roy, LSU defensive tackle. Another big round belly on the defensive side. Mm.
0: Now, that brings us to the end of the show. But there's one more announcement to be made. Justin said it on his show last night. He did a simulcast with Rap. But he announced that Purple and Gold for Days is coming to Vikings First and Skull in June on our podcast side. He's going to be a podcast partner. So, if you listen to podcasts, which I highly encourage you to do, because Vikings First and Skull puts out some podcast-only stuff, your morning daily opener is there at least five days a week, where I talk about the news. We have Skulling with Friends there. It's podcast-only. And... Coming in June, purple and gold for days. We'll also be doing not only some podcast versions of this show, but some podcast only offerings as part of Vikings First and Skull. And we all want to welcome Justin to the team. He's going to make a yes. great addition.
2: Very good, yeah, awesome addition for the first and first and Skull Vikings First and Skull. Happy to see Justin joining. Yep. It's going to help us
0: grow, folks. And like we talked about, it's about the community, and we want to bring it all together. The more, the better. We love our viewers and listeners on both, no matter which is your preferred medium. And, of course, if you can't watch, you can always listen at work when you need time away, whenever. We're there. Just look us up, Vikings First and Skull, on your favorite aggregator, and... You will be. You'll find us. And Mary saying, catch my daily opener. That's where I get into my NPR voice and tell you the news of the last 24 hours. It's a good way to catch up. Sure is.
2: Any last words there, buddy? Aaron's asking if we're going to keep our kicker down there. Or well, at least with that's the Georgia kid. That's that may have a
0: target on his back. Because we did hire... You know, or did sign that young rookie? Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I would first first kind of take on that is that I think Joseph will stick around because he's got a better leg than the Georgia kid. The Georgia kid doesn't have the big leg, as I understand it. But hey, if you keep on missing extra points and the Georgia ki- and your preseason is is poor, then that can change quickly. And mm-hmm. and even and even during the season, if Joseph really starts going like. Dan Bailey, Blair Walsh on us. Yeah, maybe it won't be the Podlesny kid from Georgia who takes his job, but it could be somebody else. Like he, His job certainly is – It's with the kickers, it's always dependent on the, the, the next kick <laughs> and the previous two they had, right? Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you miss three kicks in a row, suddenly you've got a kicker crisis. And uh, Joseph has had some, some rough stretches in his two years with the Vikings. So he's mm-hmm. just got to keep on making field goals and extra points, and he has had some issues with those. Could be. Could be. Justin's brought up
0: in fact, Monday is Memorial Day. We honor those that have fallen in the defense of the United States. You've got something similar up there, don't you? I mean we get Veterans Day yep. in November, but we all celebrate that. But you yeah, have memorial? Well, we
2: we there is a day but it's not a not a stat holiday. And yeah, and like yeah, November eleventh is always Remembrance Day, but that's actually that's actually the day where we remember the the, the fall and the people who have served for Canada in in wars past and wars present and, and and but but not multiple days. Last week was actually we had uh, had Needler's Day. We were celebrating Queen Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. Well,
0: on Monday and this weekend, I remember those friends of mine that I've lost, friends and acquaintances, and then all that I served with. This is their weekend, and it's uh It's a solemn weekend for many of us, but we also intend to have a good time because that's what they would have wanted. So I encourage everybody out there to have a good time this weekend. Be safe. Remember those that have fallen to give us what we have. And what do we say? We say, Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell and rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcast as part of the Fan's First Sports Network.
2: Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skol, everybody!